Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. whirlwind we know is vacation bible camp through our doctrines this doctrine was the first one that we introduced our children to the doctrine of the trinity it's a foundational understanding of who god is and who we are in relationship to god and all of christendom sets itself upon this teaching that comes from jesus christ that god has revealed god's self to us in the three persons of the trinity god the father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us as Christians because it is through the doctrine of the Trinity that we can understand that Jesus Christ is divine, that Jesus is God, Lord on earth, and now Lord reigning in heaven. And that because of that, his offering on the cross was more than sufficient to cover our sins and to grant us grace from any sin, any thought, any sinful inclination of the heart that we could have that we can be forgiven because Christ is God incarnate in human form and his offering was enough for us. It's important for us to remember that. Sometimes it can get lost in the hustle and the bustle of our lives just how important the Trinity was. And the Trinity is very confusing. I know we make it sound very easy. It sounds very confusing, but it's not, especially when you start getting down into the minutia of the fact that the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son and is not the Father, and the Son is not the Father and not the Holy Spirit, but they're all God. And you're all going, right. But it's true that they are distinct persons, that somehow and in some way, even though they are all fully God, God reveals God's self in very specific ways through them. And we see in Scripture that they interact with one another in very distinct ways as well. So if we follow our journey through Scripture, we start with God the Father in the creation stories, creating not only this world but all the life upon it and especially humankind created in the image of God. And so when the Israelites were in bondage in slavery and they cried out to God for release from their captivity, God heard them, remembered the covenant that God had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and set events into motion to bring them out of their slavery, to bring them to the promised land, a good and fruitful land flowing with milk and honey, so that they would now know sanctuary. And God appeared to them, in pillars of cloud and smoke and fire. And as God was doing that, the people were going, this is a little intimidating. I'm not so sure this is the warm, fuzzy feeling that I wanted, that singe from the flames. Instead, people started to become very intimidated and scared by the presence of God the Father. And so during the midst of their travels and what would eventually become their wandering, God the Father commanded them to create the tabernacle, this mobile house of worship, a tent structure, if you will. 
And so God created that and gave them the plans and said, you need to build this. And there in the very center will be the Holy of Holies. There I will dwell. My presence will hover over the Ark of the Covenant where the mercy seat is. And from there, I will dispense justice and mercy to my people. I will be in the midst of their community and they will gather all around and together we will journey toward the promised land. And it sounds like a wonderful thing. Who wouldn't want to have God living in their midst? But as hard as it is for us to comprehend, they became divinity numb. They came to the point where even though this presence was hovering in their midst, they stopped paying attention. They stopped being grateful. They stopped listening and doing what God wanted to do because after a while, there's just a lot of stuff that we have in our lives. There's our families, there's our friends, our jobs. Everything started coming into them and they just decided that they had to focus on today. And unfortunately, that focus more often than not in the scriptures tells us that it didn't include God the Father. And so they journeyed and they came into the promised land. And there they, through a series of trials and tribulations, end up erecting a permanent tabernacle that we know is the temple. And they constructed this massive house of worship in the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. And there at a little town that became soon a bustling city known as Jerusalem, there they made a permanent home for the Lord their God. And God dwelt in their midst. And at this point, the people had fanned out into the Holy Land. And so they would have to now make journeys, pilgrimages to the temple to make their offerings. And males were expected to go there three times a year. And so they would travel over and over again to go there. And even the journey became a bit of a hassle. Even the idea of bringing the first of my flock sounded like it was too much of a hassle to do. And so maybe somebody would be willing just to sell me a lamb when I got to Jerusalem. I'll just take some money and when I get there we can change it over. Well, that whole system soon became perverted with human sin just like all the rest. And before you knew it, the temple wasn't so much about bringing your first fruits as it was bringing your money and buying somebody else's stock. And slowly but surely, all of that commerce started to encroach into the holy space. And it became less and less about what we had to offer and more and more about what we had to do. That this was what was expected of us rather than what we felt compelled from the gratitude of our hearts to give. And it is in that state in the fullness of time that God came to us in God the Son. And in a small little town known as Bethlehem, God came incarnate in Jesus. And Jesus had his own wanderings and his own story to tell. And as Jesus came of age at the age of 30 and he was baptized by John in the River Jordan, he went out and was tempted 40 days. He came back into ministry with a clear conviction that God's people needed to hear God in a new way. They needed to encounter God in a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship. It was no longer just God the Father and the community. Instead, it would be God the Son and you. God the Son and me. That all of us could have our own relationship with Christ. And that was radical. It was such an out-of-the-box concept that all of the most devout God the Father followers refused to listen to Jesus. 
How can what you say be true? How can this be what God is doing now? God has told us that he is a communal God, that he dwells in our midst, first in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And now you expect us to believe that this guy is God incarnate? This guy from Nazareth, backwater Galilee, have you listened to his accent? And they, they looked for any reason they could to shun him. And despite the fact that over and over again he performed miracles and he healed, he fed the hungry, he gave those who had nothing his time, his attention, and most of all, his grace. He poured out grace long before he got to the cross, forgiving people of their sins and telling them to go and sin no more, that they had been forgiven and freed to try again. And so he made his way slowly but surely over the course of three years into the city of Jerusalem, and there he knew he would die. There he knew his story came to an end. And when he entered into that city, everyone was thrilled. There was a parade and the palms and the hosannas. It was a huge day, much like the parade that we encountered last night, this moment of joy and camaraderie. And the disciples were convinced that finally everyone else had seen what they had seen. Everyone else now knew that he was Lord and things were going to get better. They were going to be made right. Surely now everything that was wrong would be turned around and Christ would reign. They had no idea. Despite all of the attempts that Jesus made to tell them what was coming, despite all the times he told them that the Son of God must suffer and die, for them and for everyone. They had blocked that out. They had refused to hear that piece of the messianic prophecy. And so on Thursday night, when one of their closest, when one of the twelve that he handpicked and called into ministry betrayed him with a kiss, they were devastated. They were afraid. They were scared. They watched as the Son of God was shackled and bound and led off to wait overnight in the prison of the high chief's house. And there he was kept solitary and alone and he suffered, not because of anything he had done, but because people were not ready to confront who he is. Because something about God being that close is terrifying. It's not safe to be that close to God. God may see the things that we loathe about ourselves, the things that we put on a veneer so that no one else will see. God might look through all of that and see into the core of us, see our fears, our failures, our fractures. And God may take notice of us in a way that we don't want to be noticed. And despite Jesus constantly encountering those same people in his day, he always responded with freedom and grace and love. So why are we so afraid to encounter Jesus Christ? Why are we so terrified? I don't know that there's any one answer to that. I think some of us feel shame when we think about what had to happen on the cross because we do ridiculous things. We commit sins that seem so small, and so insignificant in the larger picture, and yet Christ died for those? And he did. 
he suffered and he died on the cross for all of us. Every single human being, Christ died to cleanse them and give them a new start. And that could have been it. It could have been the Father and the Son, and that might have been how our tale ends. But instead, Jesus, before he was turned over to the scribes and the Pharisees and the high priests, he promised his disciples, he broke bread with them at that sacred meal that we have come to know as Holy Communion. And as he did, he promised them that he would not leave them orphaned, that he would send yet another revelation of God to us, that he would send forth the Holy Spirit to teach them, to guide and guard them, and let them know that they were not forsaken and alone. And 50 days after his Easter resurrection, the Holy Spirit descended in tongues of fire. And there, the people encountered for the first time God in them. That's a radical transformation. And God in people that the rest of the world looked at and said, there's no way God Almighty is in this fisherman. There's no way God Almighty is in this tax collector. There's no way that you can convince me that the power and the authority of God, that same power and authority that rested on Elijah and Elijah and Isaiah is now in this guy. But it was, and it still is. The power of God Almighty is given freely to all those who want to be made holy, perfected in God's love, freed by God's grace, and become part of that grace for all people. The Holy Spirit is not something that we dole out in the church to those who have proven themselves worthy and have a healthy giving record. The Holy Spirit is something that God pours out and we encourage and we are conduits for it, but we are not gatekeepers. The Holy Spirit is yours and yours in abundance. And it will be with you in your days of darkness and trial. It will be with you on the mountaintop highs and the joys and the celebrations. It will be with you every moment of your lives if you so desire. The Holy Spirit is yours because God has willed that there should not be one moment of one day when you are separated from your God. That is the glory of the Trinity. Three different persons with three different roles. And some of us gravitate to one over the others. And think about it. When you pray, do you tend to pray to God the Father? Do you tend to pray to Jesus? Do you tend to... Invoke the Holy Spirit, whatever it is. I think it's one thing for us to understand that we have a natural affinity toward one of the three. But in revealing God's self in three persons, God has shown us the implicit communal nature of being a Christian. That even a single Christian is called to commune with three persons of God. That we cannot just say, you know, it's just me and Jesus, and sorry, Father, sorry, Holy Spirit. Jesus is not going to tolerate that. Instead, we realize the multiplicity of God, that God in one, united, has still seen the value in diversity. 
that somehow the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit give us a more full, more complete picture of who God is. And this God who is so vast and unknowable, who is so incredible and awesome and amazing that we cannot fully comprehend this God for reasons that you and I will probably never understand has picked us. We are children of God because God has willed it that way knowing that we are imperfect, knowing that we sin, knowing that we sin even when we are trying not to sin. God has still refused to reject us and cast us aside and move on. Time and time again, God calls forth this remnant, this group of humankind that will redevote themselves to God and encounter the glory of grace and become a beacon for the world. And today, in this age, that is the church of Christianity. And it is bigger than any single church. It is bigger than any single denomination. Instead, we are tethered to one another. We are ecumenical family partners because of the Trinity. And when we are willing to set aside our differences and embrace the one who binds us together, we can overcome every obstacle every obstacle. You know, there were so many times this past week where I thought, there is no way that this is going to happen. There is no way that we are going to pull this off. There is just no way. We are going down in flames of glory, to quote Bon Jovi. We are just going down. And yet, throughout it, Suddenly, God would provide. God would provide in a person. God would provide in a comedic moment and never underestimate the blessing of comedy. So as I, had, I was the shepherd for 16 three- and four-year-olds. It's a lot of kids, a lot of personality, a lot of energy. And at one point, we were all sitting around, and we, were tr we tried so hard this year. I, th I think you would be proud of us. We tried so hard to make sure that there was continuity of our doctrinal theme in every station the kids went to, whether it was our craft or even our snack. And so I took our kids up to snack, and I had them all sat down. It was amazing. They were all sitting there. And so we were doing a snack about the Trinity, and they had pretzel rods, and they had a little bit of icing that they could dip it in, and then they could roll it in sprinkles, right, to have three different tastes, but together it gave us a more fuller taste of who God is. That was kind of the idea. And yes, that's a little over the head of three and four-year-olds, but we were going there. And so we were doing it, and then later on that day, I would constantly say to the kids, okay, who can tell me what the Trinity is? And without a beat, this one little boy goes, it's a pretzel rod, it's sprinkles and icing. I was like, close it's very close it's very close but just to realize that it is so important even at that young age of three and four to start revealing who God has revealed to us to them because who God is will change the lives of children it will change the lives of adults it will change the life of this community and so the Trinity is not just something that we do at the end of the service. The Trinity is a vital part of who we are and how we understand ourselves. And I thank God that we have been blessed with three different conduits to encountering God Almighty. Because there are some people that just cannot resonate with God the Father. 
And it's because earthly sin has created such a painful barrier that God the Father will never resonate with them. And I had a hard time wrapping my head around that because I love my father. I love my father. So when I hear, you know, God the Father, oh, I love my father. And I know how my father loves me. So that, that rings true for me. I get it. And for some people, the idea that God was walking around in these sinful forms as Jesus Christ, living here and dying here and being resurrected, that just seems so bizarre. But then there's that Holy Spirit, that power and that authority that has come to us in the peace of a dove, that has come to us in power and authority and fire. The Holy Spirit that burns within and urges us to become more holy and more as God first created us in God's image. Sometimes that alone is enough for someone to cling to. And so the Trinity is constantly reaching out to us. And we who are grasping for anything divine, any sign of our God and our King, have been given three different ways to encounter, to experience, and to be transformed. No other religion in the world has a God who strives so hard and repeatedly to reach God's people. So often in world religion you hear about the pilgrimage, the journey, people going out and seeking to find God. We serve a God who comes to us over and over and over again. And just when we think we've possibly run God off, their God is again. We cannot run God off. And God will not let us. I am here for you. I will not leave you orphaned, says God. I am coming for you. And in a little while, you will no longer see me. But I am still with you to the end of the age. That is what it means for us to be Christian, to be Trinitarians, and to realize that despite all of our brokenness, God is responding every single day in one or all three persons of the Trinity, to be with us and to remind us that God Almighty is for us. May we take that truth and let it uphold us in our darkest days. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.